Welcome, everyone, to another installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the legal podcast that provides easy-to-understand information about estate and business planning to help you, your family, and your business. And now, the jovial gents of jurisprudence, Mike Betts and Spencer Chaffin. Welcome back, everybody, to another installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. Again, joined here, or excuse me, Spencer Chafin here. I've got Mike Betts, the wonderful Mike Betts from Oklahoma. It's good to be back in Texas. It's always good to be in Texas, isn't it? It is. I have an update, though, for all of our loyal listeners. And what is that update, Mike? Well, so... In our last podcast, we let everybody see kind of behind the curtain a little bit, and they understood that we record these podcasts in advance. You remember that, right? That's exactly right. And, and that it, was my fault. My bad. No, that's okay. I'm, I've, I've forgiven you because I've got a very kind heart, and I forgive easily. Which is impressive for an attorney because most attorneys don't have hearts. That's exactly right. True. So, Spencer... To get to the nitty-gritty of it all, at the time, I hadn't been invited to any any Christmas parties because they, in fact, hadn't happened. And Spencer, because he's a very good attorney, quickly pointed that out. And then, obviously, all of this smoke and mirrors was unraveled. It was but a I, moot point then. I've forgiven you, though. Exactly. It was a moot point. Legal term. Well, I just want all of our listeners to know that I never got that invitation. It was because of the snow. It was because of the snow. You know what? That's just such a convenient excuse in February. February? Dang it. (laughs) Yeah. And again, uh, Spencer is is right on track uh, to the timeline. But Spencer, do you want to give away any of our other secrets while we're on here before we jump into today's podcast? Uh, I don't think it's a secret anymore, but Pierre is definitely the better looking out of all three of us here. And, and he won't say anything. You know, y'all might believe that Pierre doesn't even exist because you never hear his voice. He does exist. He does exist. Right, Pierre? Thumbs right. up. <laughs> That's exactly right, Spencer. Oh, by the way, Pierre sounds like a mouse. Pierre, uh, I was going to say Mickey talk. Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Which but, we don't own any rights to that. No, 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 no. That was, that was Milton Mouse. Milton there Mouse. There we go. Exactly. That's exactly right. Or it's a parody. And for all of you IP folks out there, parody is not copyright infringement. Okay, so Spencer, what's on the agenda for today? Some some potential legislative measures related to the uh, medical marijuana industry up in Oklahoma and that, that need to be addressed. And, and I, what better person to address that than the one and only Mike Betts? Without further ado, I'll start. For all of our fans listening, again, I made Spencer give me that intro. I knew the whole time that I wanted to talk about this, and I twisted his arm to let me talk about this, but I didn't have to twist it hard because he agrees. This is very, very important. So uh, BC Counselors at Law, one of our uh, just best clients is a company called Lifted Logics. They're a consulting company up in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and we serve as its general counsel. Really what we do is serve as the compliance arm for the number of things that Lifted Logics offers. And one of the things that was really important to me and Spencer 
was to get out in a very timely manner a lot of the uh, new legislation that has been filed for this legislative session. And so we have a lot of clients in Oklahoma, and obviously, um, while they're not our clients at Lifted Logics, we care deeply for the Lifted Logics clients and the 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 client base that it that it speaks to. That we think that this information can be very very helpful. And uh, what I wanted to do was kind of give a quick summary of some of those important bills. I'm gonna now, now real quick. People need to understand that. These aren't laws yet. They're they're being presented through the, through the Oklahoma legislature. So this is the time to voice your opinion, because once it's signed, if if the bill gets passed and it um, gets signed by the governor, it's now law. So this is the time for people to contact their state legislature representative and voice their you know, disdain or approval of, of these bills. So that's what this is about today. That's a great point. And you did allude to it in my, in my introduction, that stellar introduction that you put together. This is one of those scenarios where we're really absolutely planning. So don't panic when we talk about this. There might be some things that you're really against. There might be things that you're for and, uh, whether you, everybody agrees or disagrees, that's fine. Just whatever your personal view regarding any of the bills that we're going to talk about, Spencer made a very good point. Reach out to your senator. Reach out to your uh, uh, member of the House of Representatives, your representative, and let them know. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, that's great too. Uh, purpose of this is not necessarily to get into the policy, whether it's good policy or bad policy, more just an update. Yep. And so... Before we jump in, I think it might be useful to talk a little bit about uh, civics and the bicameral legislative process. I think that will help. Every state's a little bit different. Oklahoma is, I think, pretty, pretty generic. It's very yeah. generic. It's it's a it's an easy model to understand. Yes. Um, I'll start if that's okay, Spencer, and then you can fill in gaps. Does that, that sound like that's a plan? That's fine, Mike. I mean, even though I'm the one with the degree in political science, I'll let you take care of this. That's the reason. Again, he's being hateful right now. He didn't invite uh, me to the party, and now he has the audacity to throw me under the bus. No, Spencer, let me, let me, let me clear the air for you and everybody listening. I was going to approach this as the layperson that didn't know anything. Like, I'm the one that needs your expertise. And then you were going to fill in the gaps and actually look so smart, and I was going to admire you for it. But I don't know that I want to do it that way. Maybe you should just take the lead, professor. Can do. So. What? That blew up in my <laughs> face. Backfire. That did backfire. Okay, <laughs> professor. Give us a, an overview, and then let's go through, because I think that, that would be helpful. Right. Absolutely being silly. And, and you know, Mike and I have already touched on this together, because we plan these. These aren't just off-the-cuff podcasts. There, there is some method to our madness, but. When they ramble, it's a little bit <laughs> but, off the cuff. Yeah. But much to, I guess, everyone's... Um, 
Well, see, I'm starting to do that now. I'm going to just stop right there. Spencer, jump in. Give us an overview okay. of the bicameral process. So, so here, here's why we're bringing it up is, is Lifted Logics did kind of get a question of like, hey, what's, what's going on? Where, where does this stand? Um, meaning one of the potential bills. And so, Mike, uh, as you're well aware of, because you do know this, it is it starts off in committees. That's where people come up with the ideas of, hey, we want to create this law. Well, it's got to pass a committee of a smaller group of people before it even makes it to the floor of either the House or the Senate because you don't want to waste everybody's time of going, hey, is this a good idea? Is it a bad idea? You know, things of that nature. So once it gets through committee, then it goes to either the House or the Senate to be voted on, amended, approved, things of that nature. And then if it gets approved, then it goes to the other side of the House or the Senate. If it gets changed but approved, it goes back, blah, blah, blah. If both House and Senate approve it, then it goes to the governor. And then that's when the governor either says, yes, I'll sign it, or he vetoes it and rejects it. If he vetoes it, House and Senate can then basically say, if they have enough votes, say, you know what, we're going to override your veto. We think it's still good law. Let's go forward with it. But that's a rare instance. It's, it, it, is, it is rare in regards to it. A veto happens... Very rarely does a veto get overridden because you gotta have so many votes um, from from each side of the House and Senate, and so and if you already have that many votes, the governor, a smart political governor, whether whether it's coming from their party or not, they're probably not gonna veto it because they know it's gonna be a black eye for them uh, if they get their veto overridden. So, long story short. Committee is where it starts, then goes to the House or Senate, and then gets voted on both. If they both approve, then it goes to the governor to be signed into law. That's when a bill becomes a law. Schoolhouse Rock, enjoy, go watch Schoolhouse Rock, because I'm only a bill, yes, I'm only a bill, sitting here on Capitol Hill. Oh, that takes me back. Spencer, that was that was perfect. You Honest, are the professor. I, I stole that from you, so that way I could sing Schoolhouse Rock. That's exactly what <laughs> you did. I get it. So Spencer was exactly right. Uh, in 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 Oklahoma and and elsewhere, uh, you have timeframes to file bills, and so the Senate will file a number of bills, the House will file a number of bills, and so that's where you see the House bill or the HB, and you see the Senate bill, the SB, and they'll do that. Uh, If it originates in the House, as Spencer said, it goes to the committee, and then it goes to the floor, and then if it passes the floor of, if it originated in the House, the House, then it would go to the Senate, and then vice versa for a Senate bill, and then obviously uh, written into law once it's been approved by the by the executive branch. Uh, that's important because we're going to talk about some House bills, and we're going to talk about Senate bills, and I don't want people to get confused on the process. Also, to not get folks worked up if some of this is scary to them, the idea is these are just bills, and I. Uh, I don't want to pretend to know politically where folks are leaning, what's popular, what's not popular. And again, ultimately, it's the voters who determine what's popular or not by calling and letting your legislators know. This is all about informing the listener.
That's exactly right. So the one that I want to start with, I think might be the most controversial, is House Bill 2272. Basically, this is a bill that fundamentally changes the way Oklahoma has been doing uh, the, the medical cannabis business in this sense. Oklahoma is, uh, I'm going to say unique uh, from, from my perspective and in my experience in that it's very quote-unquote democratic. You are able to open up a business and do it with very minimal barriers. Now, in Oklahoma, I am sympathetic to the fact that licenses are expensive and it's a burden. But as compared to a state like California, for example, Oklahoma is very easy. If you can come up with, say, around $3,000 for your licensing and you can scrounge up a little bit of money for a location, you can do it. You don't have to be a blue blood, as they say, somebody that has known this industry forever. You don't have to have really, really deep pockets and be some sort of a, a, corporate, a corporate giant. A mom and a pop truly can do it. And frankly, the mom and pop is who lifted logics aims to serve, to help. And, and, and that's kind of our role is to let lifted logics frankly, steal our business and, <laughs> and do it for way, 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 way cheaper than very expensive attorneys would do it. Less expensive. Cheap is a bad word because we're doing right. the background work. Yeah. So it's very good work. But it's trying to provide access. And that's the spirit yeah. of, of the Oklahoma medical marijuana industry. It's hard work and anyone can do it. This bill seeks to change that a bit. And it's, it's a long bill and longish bill. It's not the longest of the bills that we, we might talk about. But fundamentally what it does is it limits the number of licenses. And, and it makes it uh, such that it's harder in, 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 a, in a fundamentally different way to, to start a business. Now, there's a time frame to do that. And they're not just going to start taking licenses away. Although there are some provisions in the introduced act, that means the bill that was initially filed before it went to the committee to talk about, where there would be ways that if you didn't make enough money, they would claw it back. They, 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 they could take away your license. That's exactly right, Spencer. So I don't think this is a very popular one for folks, especially the small mom and pop without getting in the policy. It just seems to me to be more, more big, big, big business almost. Oh, yes, but that's them's fighting words. No, I, I understand. <laughs> As we say, because there's big businesses, <laughs> right. and and there's there's a countervailing yeah. uh, position that, well, there's too many licenses in Oklahoma. People aren't doing it right. The the I say the mom and pop. Let's say the more, more nefarious uh, uh, black market people jumping in, maybe we need to have a little bit of, of a balance. So maybe it's not completely one way or the other. Maybe there's a middle road. But without getting into that, this fundamentally changes the way the industry is being done right now from a licensing. So it changes the rules on jumping in. 
Does that make sense to you, Spencer? But so so maybe we step back a little bit and talk about what does it take to get a license currently and maybe some of the differences of House Bill 2272 that will change that. Absolutely. I it's I'll again hit it from a 20,000 uh, foot view and again, I know I'm putting in a lot of plugs, but Spencer, you know how passionate I am about Lifted Logic's mission, and that's why we're so fundamentally apart and intertwined. Absolutely. We've partnered with what Lifted Logic's is is wanting to do and have bought into the vision. Specific licensing questions, uh, reach out to that team, and obviously you'll connect with me. You might connect with Spencer, and, and, and we can answer very nitty-gritty, but from a very high level uh, we've got just a number of licenses uh, that are going to be pertinent for folks. Primarily, they're going to be the grow license. That's going to be what allows you to cultivate marijuana. Uh, and also in this act, or the act, I'm sorry, these these bills, bills it, 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 it changes what some of them change what a grow is able to do. So you don't necessarily just have to grow. You can also uh, maybe turn the marijuana into uh, uh, pre-rolls or uh, for folks that are listening to this and aren't up to speed with the lingo, that would be the joints <laughs> that, that we knew before. We that turned, we all know what that, we that all means. We know what a joint is. Yeah. We call them pre-rolls now. You got to church it up a little bit. You got to church it up. <laughs> and so the idea, the idea is... The, some of those bills, I don't think people would have any concern over over what they're doing. From my perspective, I don't think they're necessary. I think if you do a real fine tune, uh, finely tuned analysis of the laws, you realize actually grows can make their own pre rolls. And in this industry, there's a lot of people that that there's a lot of bad information going around, and, and it's 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 hard not to get a bunch of criticism. I'm sure when I say that, people are going to say no, and they all understand and they know. But uh, the importance is looking at the definition of a, a marijuana product and um, just turning the flower into a more ground mm-hmm. version is really just a packaging function, and it's not processing as the term processing is defined so we could get into that and i love those sorts of uh arguments and it's all about the wording and the details but you know it is interpretation but but these these statutes if they pass and i I expect that some of those provisions will will make it into updates to the law because gross should be able to make pre-rolls it's it's silly to think that they, if they can't, it's silly that that would be the policy. Right. And, and, and it's a gray area. And if you're being safe, you don't make it. If you are a little bit on the, on the you know, pushing the line, you, people are already doing it. And that, that's fine. But the uh, idea is a grow. And there's some things here that's going to change that. The second license is a processing license. The third license is the dispensary. So the processing license, that is going to be very obvious for uh, folks. Think of it like uh, co-packaging. So let's say, let's say you, you want somebody to make a product for you and package it for you. A processor could do that. 
Obviously, a processor also can take the marijuana and turn it into the uh, concentrated forms, like the oils, uh, the, the distillate, which is a, a, a popular term that's like a, a refined mm -hmm. version of whatever 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 uh, molecule, let's say it's THC that, that, that you're doing, or it could be like a full spectrum crude. So it's like the first run without getting into more detail. Uh, and then, and then obviously a processor would also make the edibles. So those are examples of things that. So that the processor does do. basically the gets it to a consumable uh, nature almost is maybe the way to simplify. It. Yeah, you know, I, my my analogy is is uh, I think of the grower as being the raw materials manufacturer in like a normal uh -huh. manufacturing thing that gives you the input because the marijuana is the input and then the uh, manufacturer of the 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 widget so let's say we're talking we're in a pandemic let's talk about masks so you've got a you've got a textile that is the mask and you've got a textile manufacturer raw material textile mm -hmm. let's call that the grow then the manufacturer who turns that raw textile into a mask, that would be your processor. And then the only way to sell, so there's no, there's no um, wholesale, meaning consumers can work directly with the manufacturer. So there, it's, it's, not, it's not a distribution model where you can work directly with, like you want a Apple product, you can go to the Apple store and buy direct from Apple, or you can buy your Apple product from one of the retailers. It's different than that, in that the only people that can send to the end users, the gatekeeper to all of this, would be the dispensary. And we all know what the dispensary right. is. And then you have an, a, a few other subsets of licenses. Um, most notably in this conversation, it's gonna be the transport agent license. Most of the people aren't going to be interested in that. That's really a warehousing and quote unquote distribution. Think yeah. of like Amazon doing fulfillment and distribution. That's that's a very specific type of, of license. So this is a very long way of saying you got three licenses, grow, processor, and uh, dispensary. The process is I don't want to say it's straightforward because a lot of people uh, have a hard time going through it because you've got to have kind of a, a science put together on how to get it done. But it, the licensing process is pretty straightforward in the sense that you apply to the OMMA and to meet the OMMA requirements, you have to do some other things. Like for example, depending on the type of business entity that you are, you might have to get a taxpayer ID number and there's some holes in the system that we can get into details with, but uh, you, you things that you're going to have to obtain might be uh, a taxpayer ID number, uh, sales tax, sorry, yep. permit. That's really what it, what it is. Um, and, then, and then you're going to go through uh, the licensing process with OMMA, another, another pitfall for folks that, depending on where you're opening the uh, licensed entity, you're gonna you're gonna run into some some uh, issues possibly getting what's called a certificate of compliance and the certificate of compliance is essentially a document that says you, you've met all of the, the the various codes and stuff for the municipality or locality rather where you're at and so some people get a little bit tripped up on that but once you get these basic documents background checks uh, uh, sales tax permits 
certificates of compliance, then it's a function of just submitting all of that via an online portal that the OMMA tells you how to do it. You submit it, you pay a fee. The fee is, um, and Diane at Lifted Logics is gonna be so disappointed with me that I don't know the exact number because there's a small little electronic convenience fee, but let's call it around 2,500 and some change. And then depending on the type of license that you are, you're gonna have to get an Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics registration. So you get your, o your OMMA license, and that's the main license, but then you have to go register with the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics. We have a number, uh, a couple different agencies, executive branch agencies that, that, that regulate this. And then you register, and there's a fee associated with that. And there's two fees. There's a, a lower fee and a higher fee, depending on the type of, of entity that you are. And again, Diane's going to be very disappointed in me, but let's call it between three and 500 bucks uh, for, for those fees. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm a little bit low on that, but um, I can pull it up yep. and, and give the exact numbers. But, but, but roughly, let's say you're in for 3,000 bucks, and you might have to go to the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture if you're going to sell uh, clones and that sort of thing, and they have their own license that you'd obtain. And if you're doing edibles, there's going to be some, some expense associated with health department. If, if, if you're, if you're a, a dispensary, you're gonna have, and you're selling edibles. You're gonna have to uh, get your health department uh, approvals to be able to do that because you're a, you're a, basically a food establishment, and so there's gonna be some costs associated with that. But just for like a nice round number, let's call it like thirty one hundred bucks. So so what you're saying is House Bill twenty two seventy two is going to increase that a lot. Okay. Like 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 threefold. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 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 I I don't have the I don't have the bill directly in front of me to give actual real numbers. Right. But I think it's more to the order of like ten thousand dollars, and that starts getting into some real money. Right. Not that three thousand bucks is anything to sneeze at. But but obviously three times three that. Three times that. Yeah. Yes. And so getting a license is expensive, but it's not that expensive. They're wanting to change that. And then here's the other thing. All that you have to do to get a license in Oklahoma, submit an application with all of the requirements to, that, the, that, the, that the state requires. And those requirements are literally just a state residency, meeting a residency requirement. And there's been a lot of, there's actually been litigation over that. And a lot of people are upset about the residency requirement, whether you're for or against it. That's fine, but it's considering what other states require you to do. It's 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 a minimal thing, and you just have to have a clean background. And your background doesn't have to be that clean, to be honest with you. <laughs> In fact, uh, there's a lot of people with very colorful backgrounds that are concerned, and it doesn't it doesn't matter. And they've gotten a license. And they've gotten a license. Yep. And I'm not again no judgment on those right. backgrounds. Absolutely, but we've had some problems with our criminal. Yeah. Uh, our criminal justice system in general, and we're working as a society to fix that. But but the idea is it's, it's very just low because bar. you think you have a, a rap sheet, so to speak, you might think, oh well, I can't even get into this industry. What you're saying is that may not be the case. It may be worth looking into if you are interested in getting into this industry. Shockingly easy. Okay. The the, the the two things that are the toughest 
are the residency requirement because so many out-of-state folks want to jump into this space. Why? Because it's so easy to get in get into. and yeah. it's inexpensive. And then the other hurdle that we've seen is besides residency, it's age. And I didn't mention that. You have to be 25 years old. Uh, so 18 years to be able to, um, well, you can get a patient license. That's on the patient side if you're younger than 18. But let's say the generic age to be able to go into and purchase uh, a, product. A, a marijuana product or marijuana flower would be 18 years. And so you might be able to have a license for a patient purpose, but you cannot have a license for commercial purpose. But that's not a loophole to be able to go do a marijuana business because if you are a patient while you're allowed to possess so much marijuana and you're allowed to grow and have so many plants right you are not allowed to transfer that to anyone technically speaking if you even transfer it if you tried to sell to somebody you can't do it and i mentioned that on this because there's been some bad information going around uh that 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 folks can do that and i would certainly hate a patient who is passionate about this this uh, plant, as passionate as all of us are about what it might mean in their life and how it can help them, I, I would not want them to be banned forever by the state from ever being able to, to legally obtain it. So that's kind of what licensing means today. And the takeaway is House Bill 2272 fundamentally changes that. And then if, you, if anybody needs a specific summary, I encourage you, re reach out to Lifted uh, Logics absolutely all day long. Or feel free to always re reach out to BC counselors uh, directly yep, if you want can, to. Yep, and we'll probably push you to Lifted Logics to save you a bunch of money. Hey, we're going to take a quick commercial break so that way you can hear from our sponsors. But we'll be right back with more legal info to help you, your family, and your business right here on the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. This episode of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief is brought to you by Alfredo Robledo Certified Public Accountant, PC. Alfredo has been licensed as a Certified Public Accountant since 1984 and is located in Grapevine, Texas. Alfredo can help with many different tax matters ranging from filing individual and business tax returns, trust and estate filings, as well as bookkeeping services for your business. You can contact Alfredo at 817-421-0720 or find him at grapevinecpa.com. My name is Kaya and I'm almost a teenager. I have a real problem. My daddy and my grandfather love pie. For my daddy, it's apple. For my poppy, it's anything lemon. But they won't bring me any pie. I don't think that's fair. They always go to Judy Pie on Main Street in Grapevine, where Miss Judy and her bakers make 20 different kinds of pies and cinnamon rolls on the weekend. But I don't get any. They tell me I can have pie when I'm a teenager, like pie is only for grown-ups or something. Can someone please call my daddy and my poppy and tell them I need pie? In the meantime, you can go to JudyPie.com or if you're in Grapevine, Texas, visit Judy Pie on Main Street. And if my daddy or my poppy are there, tell them that Kaya wants a piece of pie. 
back, and you're listening to the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the podcast providing legal info to help you, your family, and your business. Uh, the next House bill that is the second most controversial, and I, I don't know where people fall on this, but it is the uh, House Bill 1961, and it's basically an adult use or what folks would just colloquially refer to as a recreational law. And so it, it, it makes Oklahoma not just a medical uh, a medical where a card is required or a card is required it allows anyone 21 years of age or older to be able to purchase it but this bill is a a, a, a state question initiative so it would go just like the medical marijuana how it all started just how it started was a state question it would be a similar a similar thing which and means it's presented to the residents of Oklahoma first of, hey, are y'all interested in this? Yes. Is that correct? That's, that's right. So the, so the residents can, can basically, if, it, if the state question passes, it can direct the legislature to do this. Make it happen. Make this happen. And, and uh, there, was some, there was some fighting uh, back when the original state question had passed for medical marijuana uh, use. And the 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 quote unquote state was wanting to do some changes that were inconsistent with the state question and folks got slapped down pretty fast so so a state question is an effective way to get it done but on this state question i'm personally a little bit uh unsure about what the feeling and temperature is there was a lot of resistance at least my memory is that there was a lot of resistance and 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 factions fighting against the recreational bill because uh, they've been talking about doing something like this for a couple of years now. I don't know if this bill addressed all of the people's concerns that it shouldn't pass. Uh, from my perspective, I'm a fan of the recreational use in aside from the, the mechanics of the bill, right? Just the general idea of opening up the body or 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 number of patients, I think it's really good for the state of Oklahoma. Especially if I was a policymaker in Oklahoma, assuming we could get something, you're never going to satisfy everybody. But if the question was, do we make it adult use or not? My view personally would be, absolutely, you have to do that because. We're going to increase the number of people that by removing a barrier, it'll be easier for people to go and purchase it because some people might not go through the hassle of getting a medical card. It's not that hard, but, but it's a hassle. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, long story short, I, I think opening it up to a bunch of people could be good for the state. Now, there's a lot of competition. And, and you know what? I, so I'm, I'm, in, I'm in economics major. Uh, not to say that I know anything about economics. Not a like, political science major. I wasn't a political science major. I was an economics major uh, with a minor in finance. And so I had to take a, a few courses on the free market and all of that. What I, what I tend to see is most people don't like the free market that much. They really like a little bit of healthy monopoly. They, that's the idea. Uh, so, so, so without getting into that, 
for the state and just from a pure competition perspective, lower barriers is good. It promotes free competition yeah. and more more uh, uh, patience. Maybe means you got more of a more of a, a an ability to, to sell. You, it's yeah. not as a as a captive audience. Well, and it's kind of like cornering the market too. Of Texas is not legalized. I don't know about Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana is legalized, but Louisiana is very, very, very dysfunctional. It's, and, it's and never so really is Arkansas, gotten. correct? Arkansas is incredibly dysfunctional. Kansas, all those Kansans are going to come down to Oklahoma. They already yeah. are trying to do that. Like, like they, they come and, and, and figure out so, ways. So, so, so border border dispensaries. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, obviously, they're, Colorado, they're in the game. Colorado's so. in the game. Um, but the I-35, I-40 corridor yeah is just ripe for and you know i don't want to make it sound like it's all about money but it's going to generate a lot of revenue for the state which can then and as a policy benefit benefit many oklahomans that's right as a policy maker that's what you look at now there's another question as to where the tax dollars are going right that is true that's a different type of podcast for a different type of day and so bottom line is house bill 1961 I call it controversial because if you're if you're not for the legalization of marijuana, you don't like then, it. Right. And if you are are uh, uh, for it but against the ver- the verbiage, you you think that's a big deal. Now now this n- next one, um, it's already been presented before, uh, if I remember correctly. But House Bill 1960. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about that. A variant, a variant of it uh, has been has been uh, last last legislative session, I believe, was was presented, and it's it's it. This one speaks to delivery of marijuana. So so right now, a dispensary is not allowed to have any sort of a delivery service. They could do a curbside pickup, right? And in, in but COVID-19. someone's coming to them. But somebody's still coming to them, and 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 you and you do it. And, and by the way, if there was any question, like giving marijuana to an Uber driver, you, you can't do that, even if the Uber driver has a patient license. I mentioned that too because that sort of a question had trickled once. And if you're listening to this, sorry, Uber driver, you have to get a transportation license. It, it's it's not like the Grubhub version yet. You can't just Grubhub weed that's in Oklahoma that's exactly right now this particular this particular uh, law might change that and so it passed both chambers going back to how to make a bill uh, both both the House House and the Senate they 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 came together and they they uh, they docked harmoniously made a bill and they made a bill. Yeah. They came together and they made a bill together. But that bill was I don't know if it was unceremoniously or ceremoniously. It was vetoed by yeah. by the executive branch. Um, I don't I again I have to confess, I don't know the I, the, the, the concept uh, other than other than uh, Governor Stitt Just m- maybe maybe from a from a ideological perspective didn't want to make it more didn't want to make it easier access. Easily accessible. Got it. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm for or against that one way or the other. Uh, n- not to lawyer punt, right. but, but that's, that's just, just what, what it was. That's just what yeah. it was. Uh, and, and then, like we said, it's rare to get a legislature 
to like cram it down a governor's throat. And so it didn't pass. I'm excited to see what might have changed in a year because it might be that our our uh, policymakers uh, and our executive branch decided, my goodness, this could be a a a, a money maker for the state. And 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 my sense is, living in Oklahoma, I, even though even though you you hear a lot about the the, the pandemic and the numbers in Oklahoma were were, were high numbers. I felt like I felt like the state like financially was not in as bad of a position as it might have been say 5 years ago because oil and gas like like we need we need them to to rally and yeah, we need to, to help our friends in yeah. oil and gas obviously uh, and they're not right now as strong as they need to be is yeah. my sense a few years ago Especially, especially in early 2020, when the oil, poor oil and gas industry got completely uh, hammered, hammered yeah. right? That if we did not have as healthy a medical marijuana industry, I don't want to say the state would have been bankrupt. Right. That's and we're not saying ma- marijuana saved the state. No, well, not, but, not 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 to say that. But it's but, an but, industry. It's a good industry. It's an for industry. Us to be, in, it's a small state in Oklahoma. We need to be diversifying. So th- that's enough on 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 that one. Um, the the next bill, real quick, is is going to be drive through dispensaries. Uh, this bill is related on on getting it delivered. Well, shoot, in Texas we got beer barns. That's right. Some cities, <laughs> so, so it's kind of the same mindset. Some cities said no, you can't do it. This statute, I think, aims to to address the cities that 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 didn't want you to do drive throughs for whatever reason. This 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 uh, uh, kind of addresses it. You ever been in a drive through beer barn? I have. They're, I have. Yeah. They're, they're very cool. Yeah, they're very cool. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of going through my notes here to see uh, a couple other really, really uh, important ones that we can spend a couple minutes on. Um, one that's interesting to me – well, I'll do a handful real quick. There's a couple bills that are kind of related that allow uh, out-of-state folks to benefit from medical cards, whether they get the medical cards in Oklahoma or they have medical cards from other states, and then we honor those medical cards. Again, those are those are um, uh, smaller steps towards recreationalizing right. marijuana um, to, to increase the, the base of of potential potential customers. Uh, customers. Yep. Um, there's a uh, uh, bill that is pending that would actually. Take all of the uh, uh, oversight from the from the Oklahoma Health Department and put it in the Oklahoma Able Commission. That's the department that uh, regulates alcohol, beverage licensing, and that sort of thing. And it would still be the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, but instead of falling under the health department. Uh, purview, it would fall under the the Able Commission. That's just kind of a, an interesting thing. Um, I'd be interested in whether people think that's good or bad. I've heard I've heard it both ways. Um, there's a very large House bill that uh, it's big and it kind of it kind of um, 
I, mean, I don't want to say overhaul. That's a bad word to say overhaul, but it does a lot of work to the existing Patient Protection Act that that uh, was passed back in 2019. And one of the things that it does uh, that I think is interesting, it removes a requirement for batch testing to 10 pounds. So in Oklahoma, if you have a batch, what we'll call harvest batch, if you're a grower, so that's going to be the marijuana, or if you are a processor and you make a marijuana product and you have what's called a production batch. Okay, so I'm going to use two examples. Grower has a bunch of flour. A processor took a bunch of flour and turned it into an oil. Okay, so what you're supposed to do in Oklahoma is you're supposed to test those batches. And Oklahoma had a regime where you you have kind of the the the, the same type of flour and you have the same. And I'm very much gutting what it is, but roughly same type of flour grown in the same place at the same time. And then, and then this same run of, of uh, uh, marijuana that turns into oil, those would be batches because they come together. Well, let's say you, you have just a really big, big uh, uh, area that meets the criteria of what a quote-unquote batch would constitute. But let's say it was 100 pounds of marijuana, okay? Well, the OMA said in its regulations in the state, in the statutes that, that, that authorize those regulations, basically it said, we're going to break up that 100-pound production or uh, we'll say 100-pound harvest batch. Or if you're an edibles company, you might have a 100-pound production batch. We don't care that that's one batch and you just test, like send a sample from that batch. We want you to break that 100 pounds into 10-pound lots. So it turned the testing from one test to 10, ten tests. Wow. And a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people liked it. Because it costs money every time you do a test. You got it. That's exactly right. And so, so the people that didn't like it, that was, that was the issue. Um, and, then, and then there are advocates, not the labs, just saying we need more testing. That's not fair at all. But there's a lot of uh, consumer safety advocates that say, man, there's a lot that can go wrong in such a big batch. And if you're picking, cherry picking something, and uh, this passes – but that over there failed. We might get a lot of people who are sick. And so it's a tough policy decision. This one goes uh, uh, to maybe one side of the conversation and it takes away the 10 pounds. But that's something that I think a lot of people are excited about and it's something to uh, keep, our, keep our eye on. And then the last one that I wanna mention just because it's, it's silly. There's one bill as I understand it that says we don't want anybody up the chain. So I'm going to call it up the chain anything north of the dispensary. Uh, and, and it might even include transactions between a processor and a dispensary. So, so anything dispensary up the chain, any transactions. Those are, those are like, there's a few other bills. Uh, Lifted Logics had sent a, done a post on their Facebook site. Uh, I, I encourage folks to look them up. Now, real quick, just, just so y'all know, Lifted Logics is spelled correctly L I F T E D, but Logics is L O G I X. Yes, so, sorry. Yeah, that's so right. 
Um, when Lifted you go look Logics for them, with an X. Lifted Logic with uh, Logics with an X, and or their websites, www.liftedlogics.com, or you can give them a call at 405-546-1967. And but but like Mike said, go to their Facebook page. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, and they've got a great breakdown of all of these bills that are. Um, being considered at this time and and so they'll give you a quick breakdown of all of those uh but give them a call if you've got more questions because uh, i know lifted logics will be able to answer all of that that's right and and, and lifted logics and spencer and i we're, we're kind of tracking this uh periodically i think lifted logics will give give updates um one thing that is worth saying and i might have said this already that really uh probably most controversial bill, uh, eight, or 2272, that did pass committee with a, a slight amendment. There was a payment vouchers concept, and they removed that. Um, I, I don't think that that, that, that will, uh, for people who are like, is this really going to pass? And they're really concerned about it. I don't think that alleviates folks' concerns. I, I could be wrong. But uh, that passed committee, which means it's set for debate and a vote at the house and again nobody needs to be concerned lots of things can change and we've got an entire uh second second arm of our bicameral uh legislative process to to fine-tune things and and uh reconcile and make it make it a singular a singular bill so if folks have any questions about that, like I said, reach out to Lifted Logics, reach out to me or Spencer, BC Counselors. Well, thank you all again for joining us on another episode of BC Counselors Legal Brief. As always, if you have uh, any recommendations on something you'd like to hear from us, please drop us a line at our Facebook page or, or send us an email. And uh, we'd love to, to hear from y'all on what you would like to hear from us. And that brings us to the end of another show. For more information on today's topic or previous show topics, please visit our website at www.bccounselorsatlaw.com. While there, feel free to let us know what future show topics you'd like for us to cover. On behalf of Spencer, this is Mike, and we thank you for listening. And remember, it's always our goal to provide easy-to-understand legal info to help you, your family, and your business here on the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. Thank you.